Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Unending love towards us that abounds more and more each breath we take, each day we live. We pray, Father God, that we would press in to the purposes you have for our lives, that we would lay hold of them. Like Paul says, forgetting what is behind, we stretch forward to what lies behead, that which Christ has saved us for. Father, that you fill us with your spirit and let your grace abound towards us and allow us to walk in your mercies and in your faithfulness to do that which we expect in faith and wait for. Bless your word tonight, Lord, and let it be a seed planted in our hearts that directs our path in, according to your light, O oh God, according to your heart and truth. And let it be a good seed planted in each heart and return forth a glorious harvest of fruit that glorifies your name. And Lord, if there's anything we're falling short on, Lord, we pray that you bring us into this glorious salvation, that we not fall short of the grace that brings us through. And give us the heart and the thoughts and the strength to do all according to your pleasure and calling in our lives, Lord. Pray, Father God, that you open the eyes of our understanding and allow us to nourish ourselves from the bread of life, Lord. Prosper this word in the hearts of your people everywhere. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Sunday we were talking about salvation and I noticed two sets of people as we were talking, um, it's really good that we, we follow up on um, even the midweek Bible studies because more clarification will be given to the word that God has given us. And we, we talked about God's glorious salvation. And uh, there was two groups of people on Sunday. Those that left here uh, really, really joyfully and ecstatic about the fact that, that God was purposing to save us and, and that we can do nothing um, in regards to our salvation, that it has to be the whole work of God. But I also noticed um, a set of those of you that came up with the concern, well, it's really not like that pastor. It was a good message, but it's, it really is more than that. And so tonight we're going to talk about not the fact that Sunday wasn't the full and absolute truth according to the word of God, but let's, let's go farther into truth, and we're at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, where the Bible is talking to us about this salvation, and, and so the Bible also requires for us to balance the word of truth, to rightly divide, to know. It says, therefore, we must give more earnest heed we, that, that word earnest, he, we must pay attention more carefully to the things we have heard because it could be we didn't hear right and there'll be people on Sunday, they just, they leave and, you know, they're going to say, well, God is into this so I don't have to do anything. No, no, let's press more. Let's give more attention, more weight, more understanding to the things we've heard because just as they are absolutely true, 100%, if we're not paying attention, we might get distracted. In verse 2, it says more carefully, for if the word spoken through angels proved to be steadfast, 
If what God held the angels to a standard of responsibility and every word God spoke to them was held uh, to God's accountability, now every transgression of disobedience received a fair reward. God had a great uh, plan for the angels and he says as long as you guys faithfully serve, uh, you will be in my presence forever. But the Bible says those who transgressed, those who, who went away from what God was doing, they got punished uh, in a very uh, systematic way. Their disobedience received consequences. So then it says to us, the word on Sunday is a good word, and it stands fast, but let's not drift away and, and transgress and disobey because there will be consequences. What, what is this? Verse 3. How shall we escape the consequences of not attending to this great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Jesus came and said, there's a great plan that God has to save your soul eternally. And he, he put it out there. A lot of the verses we touched upon on Sunday gave us insight to this salvation. And then those that remained and heard it from the Lord also put it in all the verses we read uh, that were not Jesus' verses, but Paul and Peter and Jude, they were all talking about this salvation. And now they're saying, how shall we escape if we're not diligent to make our participation of a more awareness? The word that they use there is neglect. How shall we escape if the angels didn't escape when they disobeyed and drifted from obedience, how shall we if we neglect? So we've called this message a world-changing neglect. Um, the, the aspect of neglect, it might be the attitude in the heart of a believer. Somebody who is offered salvation and says no, directly rejects the Offer of salvation. This is, you know, I don't, I'm not interested. Um, one of the, the young men here at the church um, has been trying to get his boss to come to church. And he's been telling them, come on, you got to come, man. You, you really got to come. You, 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 need to, you need to come to my church on a Wednesday night. And so he, he has been inviting them so many times that the guy tonight says, hey, hey, listen to me. Not interested. Leave me alone. And if I'm interested, I'll tell you. And that happens. You know, I was on an airplane once. I was excited because every airplane, I got a captive audience. Got a guy right next to me. And uh, we were flying back from Mexico, and he was the owner of the telephone company in Mexico, in Merida. And so I was excited. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this man to the Lord. I'm going to tell him about salvation. He's going to come to the Lord. And I sat down. I said, sir, uh, can I please share something with you? He says, sure. I said, see, um, God loves you and wants to save you. He says, hey. Not another word. Like that. It was like, I'm not interested. And uh, since that's the topic you want to talk about, and I'm not interested, leave me alone because I want to sleep. 
I was like, that was the quickest no I've ever gotten. And so some people will say no. But neglect is not saying no. Well, it's not a direct no. Neglect is a casual drifting where your attitudes are saying no. And so salvation to those people who allow themselves to drift, the issue is neglect. It's a forfeiting. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's not that it's not there. It's not that that God is not doing the whole work. They're just not paying attention. And so I I have found uh, that that this um, word in, in the Greek, which helps out a little bit, is, is pronounced a maleo. A means against, maleo is care. I don't care. In the Latin origin, uh, neglect is ne that says no, and neglect, which means story. I'm not going to live that story. I'm not going to live that reality. I don't want to tell the story of God's salvation. I'm not going to pass it down so it becomes legendary, story, big story. And so when we're neglecting, we refuse to tell the story God wants to tell. We're ignoring God's reality. We have it at a distance. That, you know, whatever God wants, I'm really not, I'm not into it. I'm not into telling that story. I'm going to play another part. And so here it is in Matthew 22, in verse 22, no, verse 1, Matthew 22, 1, is one of the expressions of neglect, and here it says, Jesus answered, to, answered and spoke to them again, saying a parable, and he, this is the parable that he uses. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain man who prepared a marriage for his son. Verse 3, and sent out servants and messengers to call all those inviting to participate in this marriage and wedding and this celebration, and they were not willing to come. They were not willing to come. I'm not, I'm not going to live this thing out. I'm not going to participate. I'm not coming. And so the Bible says in verse 4, he says, again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, everything is prepared. I'm doing everything. It's my dinner, my ox, my cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to this wedding. Come. Participate it. Tap into this. Uh, we were talking about as we tap into his salvation, our only response is celebratory. We didn't do nothing. We can't do nothing. We'll never be able to do nothing. But we can celebrate what he has done. We can rejoice. And we can partake. And here's what the Bible says in verse 5. Using the word again, amaleo, in the, in the Greek language that writes the original of the gospel, Matthew 22, 5. It says, Amoleo, they went off their own ways, neglecting, not wanting to participate, being indifferent to drift away. They had another direction they went into, making light of it. 
So neglect is the opposite of not giving attention. Neglect is, and, and I had a real, a real serious head-on confrontation with the word neglect. I'm going to share it now in a second. But understand that their response to the salvation was, we don't want to tell a story. Um, we're, we're not going to care about what you want our reality to be. And they went off to their own story. One went to his own farm, verse 5, Matthew 22, 5. And another to make his affairs negotiations of more reality, content, worth, and weight. Giving a, um, an attention to something else. So often you see the heart grow indifferent in many areas of our lives. And that's what God is saying in Hebrews chapter, um, chapter 2, verse 3. He says, make sure that there is no indifference. How, how will we escape? How will we not drift away? Um, you see how he starts the chapter out saying we must give more diligent attention. Verse 1. Give more earnest heed to the things we're hearing lest we drift away. So um, we want to, uh, the way I, I ran into this aspect of neglect is, is for many years at the practice of law, um, men would, would freak out. They're like, like really in shock. They, they got a paper, uh, they, they got a whole bunch of papers, a complaint for a divorce, a petition for divorce, and they hand it to me, and they're like in shock. And they're like, I don't understand why she's doing this. And they tell me like this, he goes, I have done nothing wrong. And listen to me, I promise you that these men did nothing wrong. And they're in shock. And I would say, you know something? You did nothing right. See, you, when you don't do nothing wrong and you don't do nothing right, that's neglect. You're letting things just go the way they're going. And, and this is where I had the, the head on with these men that were saying, all I do is work and go home and sleep and go work and go home and sleep. I go, yeah, that's neglect. You have totally ignored your role to be a husband, to participate in this aspect of doing something in the cause and in the course that's positive. What they were telling me is, I've done nothing negative. Another translation for uh, neglect in the Bible that's used a lot is um, that last part, neglect, neglect, is gather. To not gather. How many understand that gathering is a process of sowing, watering, and then coming to get the fruit of the harvest? It's a whole process. And you can't expect to harvest where you did not sow 
and work the field. So the man's like, man, my wife is bad. She's wicked. I said, brother, she's just a garden. You know the opposite of neglect, right? Cultivate. The opposite of neglect is cultivate. Do something to work the land so that it produces a harvest. And so that's what God is telling us about this salvation. Uh, a lot of people in their Christian walk are like, I wonder when something's going to happen. Listen, what you don't cultivate doesn't happen. One of the biggest preachers, and he was just quoted by a friend of mine on, on Twitter, um, Charles Feeney says like this. He says, revival is no accident. It doesn't happen. It's like a harvest of wheat. If you don't work the field and plow it and sow the seeds and, and water it, you'll never have revival. It's, it's something that you're doing. A lot of you are experiencing revival in this church for one reason. There's one reason you're experiencing revival. You're moving in the direction of the things of God. As you're like, man, this church is really happening. I, I feel something's going on. It's not something going on. You are working out your salvation. You're partnering with God. I, I, I'm amazed when somebody walks with God how things turn out. Um, I, I had no destiny of education in my life. Trust me what I'm telling you. I, I did nothing to care for academics for a good 18 years of my life. So I got saved. And as soon as I got saved and I started listening to God by obeying my parents, by walking in the direction he's pointing, it, salvation was being worked out. I'm walking in this salvation that was prepared for me and, and I'm having a great time. It's not something that, that, that I have to... Come on. It's there. And as long as I partner with God, the story is being told as I don't neglect it. As I'm attentive to the story he wants to tell. A lot of the stories God wants to tell is walking on water. He wants to tell that story. I said, Lord, I really felt. I said, Lord, I'm just walking on water, man. Look, look, look what you have me doing. And, and the Lord rebuked me. I would say that a lot. The first, we've been in this building for 10 years. The first five years, I was like, man, we're walking on water. We're doing the impossible. He says, no, you're not. Quit saying that. You're walking on my word. And my word is immovable. And so I stopped saying that. I said it for five years. <laughs> like, this is surreal. But the salvation is there. All we got to do is not neglect it. Not be indifferent. Not to say, Lord, I haven't done anything wrong. Hey, brother, I greet you with me. Thank God you haven't stolen from anybody. But that's not your calling to not do something wrong. Your calling is to change the world. Amen. Your calling is to do something so great it tells his story. And, and, and this is why he wants us to participate and to be really in tuned. The, the invitation, I don't know if you guys grasped the spirit of God as I was 
as I was reading the invitation, did you hear the tone of the heart of God? It's like, man, I got, I got a party set up for these guys. This could be great. Everything is set up. And they're like, not interested. I, I got another story I'm telling. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned in another affair. It says they went their own way. They, they, they drew their own course. And, and this is what God is saying to us here. Um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to press into this. How saying no is a direct rejection, but when you gradually walk away and you're not warming up to the call of God in your life, you are not directly rejecting it. You're gradually losing what God had planned for you. Something that, that is weighty and substantive. You don't black, backslide in a moment. Neglect as you stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. You stop investing in the kingdom of God. You stop, um, it says there in, in Hebrews, he says, don't neglect the gathering. Because once, once neglect sets in, it, it invades territories in your life. People who have neglected their wives and their marriage have neglected their home. And so going back, I'll tell you another aspect of neglect. A story was told of a gathering of men that were constructing the Titanic. It was the design team, and they spent five hours. They set aside, they set aside five hours to plan their meeting in a certain time during that process. So in that meeting, they spent four hours and 50 minutes discussing the interior decorations. And 10 minutes was given to the lifeboat provisions. They neglected a very important part of their travels because they never even thought they would need their lifeboats. And so they neglected that whole area. They didn't give attention to it. They walked away from it. They didn't think it was important. They spent excessive times doing other things that were less important. And so it happens in our spiritual realm. Let's see Proverbs 4.20 where you'll see the earnest voice of a father saying, my son... Give attention, give weight to my words. Spend time renewing your thoughts. And your, I'm amazed, and this is serious, how we have such clear instruction from the enemy, how we could quote them verbatim. You know, things that are fearful, things that are proud, things that are, that are rebellious. We, we have a... We have a very fine attention given to details. Um, I use a very improper illustration, but it's the best illustration I have. And, and as often as I use it, uh, conversations are usually over. And it's men who begin to speak with pastor and say, pastor, look at my life. And they start describing everything that is contrary to what God has said. And I said, look, you know something? When you 
are describing your life in such an improper scenario, all I can say is it reminds me of a time that you need to pull on that little chain called the toilet. And you need to flush. You need to get rid of everything the devil has brought to the forefront of your life that you're repeating and you're talking about and it's your priority and it all smells. And I don't want that to identify who I am. I don't want to give attention to that. And I'm whoosh. And they're like, but let's talk about it some more. I'm like, come on, go ahead, brother. And every time you want to bring crap on the table to feast on that and to offer it to me, even if I'm a pastor, I'm going to tell you I'm not interested in that. I don't have an appetite for that. I don't look for that. That to me is not appealing. So that becomes the forefront of a lot of our lives. And, and David used to say, Lord, I want to go to your temple so that I can inquire and I could, um, I could behold your beauty. What, what is God's story? And I, I promise you, Philippians 4.8 says it clearly. It says whatever things are, are of good report, whatever things are are noble, whatever things are true, whatever things are, are consistent with God's plan. We, we know the devil's plan. It's ugly. We know his future. It's, there's, it doesn't exist. There's no hope. We know what fear drives a man to away from the courage to fight the battles of the Lord. If there's anything virtuous of excellent grade, these are the things that... that accompany salvation it's it's you know there's different grades in in metal there's different quality levels and and god has the highest of of plans and and purposes for our life so he says my son pay attention to what i say listen closely to my words let them not out of your sight keep them in your heart Proverbs 4.21, do not let them out of your side. Do not, okay, let those things be the things that, that pump your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And they are health to the entire body. Above all, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it is springing every concern of life. Neglect is a slow process of dying off away from God. Here it says in 1 Timothy 1.14, Paul says, uh, Timothy, don't fall asleep and indifferent to the giftings of God in your life. Don't walk away from them. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. Do we have that right? Let's try 2 Timothy. That's not it either. Huh? You guys put it up there for me. I, I must have had a typo here on my notes. It says like this. He says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, God making provision for all these things, 412, there it is. Don't despise 
the strength that you have to be an example. Um, I, I want to tell you that, that we are to be examples to the nations of what is right and wrong. Understand this. The nations don't know what's right and wrong, so they're doing their own thing. And here, the, the grade of our salvation, God has pulled us out of the gutter and he's made us a trophy of his grace. This is the model I want. In word, in conduct, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be an expression of the salvation of God in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity? And then he says like this, it's there in verse uh, 13, till I come, pay attention to what? To reading. Pay attention to the word of God. Listen, if we're not pressing into the word of God, we cannot open our mouth with the expression of who God is and what the salvation is. So reading and getting in the word and in the word and in the word actually becomes the sentiment of your heart to be able to tell people, because we, we don't know what's right, what's wrong. How do you determine, and this is how the world determines. It depends. If you like it, do it. If it feels good, follow it. That's how the world does it. We don't live like that. We, we don't live like that at all. We don't live based on pleasure. We're, we're, we're trying to find the heart of God. Giving attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. What is God saying? You should know what God's heart is in every scenario. And so he says this, verse 14, can only happen if you do not neglect. If you do not walk away from sensitivity. If you do not... What's it called? Water down, shallow down, dumb down the gift that's in you. It'll, it'll rub wrong. You'll start, you'll start speaking what worldly people speak. You, they'll start convincing you of what they're doing. And so you'll start reasoning, well, it's not that bad. Um, and, and so he says, don't neglect it. Don't neglect your gift. Don't neglect the gathering. Don't neglect... The, the pursuing God. These things which were given to you by the laying on of hands. Okay, Paul, I'm going to need a little bit more than just not neglecting. I'm going to need a little bit more than just you telling me I'm not to walk away and be indifferent. So he does in the next verse. In verse 15, he actually tells them how he gets connected. Let it be your meditation. I don't know about you, I spend my whole day just in, Lord, what is your plans? Am, am, I, am I keeping the schedule? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing this moment? Not according to my desire, not according to the pools I have, and you guys must know that there's different pools in life, but God, what do you want me to be doing right now? What is my God-given priority in this moment? And you're constantly looking into that. This is the only way you can press into the story God wants to tell. Meditate and give your entire self to these things so people can see the word evident. It could be evident to all your progress, your prosperity, your fruitfulness. How many understand that the story the Lord wants to tell is a story of increase and, and fruitfulness and blessing. Amen. 
That's his story. The Lord doesn't come to dress us with shame. So he says, give yourself entirely to these things. This is how you don't neglect. Meditate on them. Verse 16. Be careful to yourself. Continue in these things, for in doing so, salvation will be a reality for you and for all those that are paying attention. The salvation is, is becoming a reality to you and to all those who pay attention, to all those that are seeing you. And so this is the pathway we're on, um, pressing into not being indifferent, not having a heartbeat. Uh, 2 Peter 1.12, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent. This is Peter. I'm not going to amaleo. I'm not going to not concern myself to remind you always of these things, though you already know them and are established in this present truth. The neglect is not the heart. The indifference is not the heart of God's people. How many say amen? I remember growing up, the young kids in our house, uh, one of the famous phrases that we had growing up and listening on TV, ready? Uh, the young people in our homes, our children would say, um, somebody would say, but, but this is going on, and I don't care. That, that to me was a curse word. And I would say, listen, we care because Jesus cares. That's, that's the bottom line. We, we can't go around indifferent to these things. We care because he cares. And Peter is saying that. Now here it is, Matthew 18, 15. He says, if ever somebody drifts off into a field and they're totally against, if your brother sins against you, and, and you know the sin of a brother is to walk away from salvation, walk away from the direction of the Lord. If he goes in the opposite direction, tell him where he's gone off the path. How many do that from time to time? I mean, if you don't care, you won't. But if you care, last night I told a brother, brother, I can't tell you you're doing good. I can't tell you that what you're doing is something good. I have to tell you, you've left the course. The, the end result of that attitude is not salvation. It's going to be a real horrible scenario. So if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault and... Um, between you and him. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. Verse 16. If he will not hear you, take with you one or two or more so that by the mouth of three, two or three witnesses, every word might be established. So I told the brother last night, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, let's grab five Christian brothers who love you and you love, and they'll tell you what you're doing is off course. And listen to me, if you ever have the opportunity to have five brothers or sisters or brethren or family to tell you what you're doing is off course, that's a good time to, to understand you're not going in the right direction. And so here it is, two or more so that it might be set as a testimony. It'll be established. And then he says like this, verse 17, but if he, the King James Version says, if he neglects to hear them, amaleo. The same word is used in this passage, in this parable. If he's indifferent to what they're telling him, the whole church should hear about it, tell it to the church. But if he neglects to hear the church, 
He didn't care to hear witness. He didn't care to hear the whole church. If he's indifferent, unconcerned, he doesn't want to tell the story. He doesn't want to gather. He doesn't want to harvest. He doesn't want fruitfulness. Let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Why? Because some people could care less that God wants to tell a story. Some people could care less that they've gone off course. Some people don't even have sensitivity to want to know what's right. And so I said, when you're walking in that mindset, you know, a pastor's word has definite weight. Definite weight. He's only concerned with one thing. That the day you present yourself before the Lord, he says, well done. So his concern is that you not go off course and that the salvation that God has given you would fulfill that purpose. And he says, there comes a time in a moment when a brother, he loses his way and then he won't hear and he won't hear one person, he won't hear several people, he won't hear the church. He's neglecting, he's walking in indifference. Neglect grows. And, and so that is the course of those who walk away from God. One of the things I read in Hebrews 8, verse 8, is God saying to his people Israel, since you do not care about losing the promised land, about not fulfilling my call, then I don't care. Since you're not giving attention to these things, he says, for finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Why? Verse 9. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I am them not. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to regard them. And I regarded them not. I didn't pay attention to them. I didn't concern myself with them, saith the Lord. I'm not, you, you don't care? Okay, that's fine. Now, how many of those of you care? The, the number one scenario, keep your eyes on Jesus. If you care, get really close to what the Lord is saying. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us, let us place our attention and focus on Christ. He is the author and finisher of this salvation. He's the one that started it. He's the one we need to pay attention to. Who, for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure all things, despising shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. I was telling the men on Tuesday night, if you want to get somewhere, find yourself a leader. I mean, you know that. Follow the leader, the leader, the leader. Jesus is the leader. And if you follow a leader, you will get where that leader has been. So one of the men who came says, well, uh, my mentor is my son who died two years ago. Listen to me. You can't have a dead leader because a dead leader is not going anywhere. You can't follow him. It has to be somebody that's walking ahead of you who has accomplished what you desire to accomplish. And so I'll tell you what happened on Tuesday night. A great majority, 99% of the men, had no practical leader they were following. They, did, they couldn't tell you somebody who was a model of what they wanted to become. 
And so I was telling them, Jesus is our model. Fix your eyes on him. Eat, breathe, live, walk, talk, Jesus. Let him be your everything. And then, you know, we have devotions to all sorts of things. You guys know, right? When they came to him, I was telling uh, an elderly woman of our church today, I said, listen, when they the family of Jesus came to get him and they wanted to distract his ministry and they want him to be concerned about family things, he says, you ain't my family. And if we're concerned by salvation, we will follow Jesus' steps. And there has to be a time where you tell your family, my family are those that take God serious. Unless you aren't going to tell the story. And, and I, you, know, you know that legacy is a very important part of what we do here. And telling a story that other generations could follow, because that's the big thing about legacy. Legacy means the story that other generations will tell. And a person who neglects, who has no legacy, is not telling a story. There is no storyline. That's what the word means. We're not telling a story. It's not, there's nothing to say. And my friends... God's salvation tells a great story. And you participating in that salvation. I was on the radio yesterday. I said, listen to me. Once we came into, my, into this salvation, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my friends, my clients, my neighbors, everybody is in on this. Why? There's a story being told. People see it and people tell it. And God wants you to be an expression of his salvation. And to neglect it is to remember that. No legacy. I'm not telling the story. I'm not going to walk in this. The Bible says if you want to be successful, focus your eyes on Jesus. Your priority, what is your priority? Matthew 6.33, if you're going to um, participate with this salvation, you need to put it at the forefront of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else is going to be told. Everything else. Your life is hidden in Christ as you pursue this salvation. And, and these men did it. These, these men who walked before us when they gave their entire lives to be faithful to God, that told a great story. That was a, these men who founded America. They were, they were pursuing their salvation. Their relationship with God had been cut off in Europe. And they said, no, for us, it's not about prosperity in Europe. We, we want to put worship at the forefront of our existence. God is real. We want to serve him. And so there it is. That these men, because they put God first, the greatest story ever told, the founding of the greatest nation of all time, founded on Scripture, founded on, on the heart of God, men that are concerned. So it says, seek first the kingdom. Move it up in your priorities. Move it up. Every year, I, I recall, every new year in January, my friends would tell me, so Joaquin, what's your new year resolution? I said, get closer to the Lord. They're like, you're insane, man. You're already close. And every year come by, hey, what's your New Year's resolution? I'm not going to eat chocolate no more. I said, I, I want to be closer to Christ. They're like, you're crazy. How could, I'm not going to, I shouldn't say this. I, I lost a girlfriend because of that. She's like, so, so what? And Yvette says, hallelujah. Okay, I, what are you going to do? I said, I'm getting closer to Jesus. She's like, you know something? I'm out of here. I said, I don't care. Thank God I found my salvation. Hallelujah. Thank God. 
thank God as we press into the kingdom of God, all these things shall tell a story. Shall tell a story. And so, one, focus on Jesus. Two, up your priorities. We live in a self-serving, self-centered world. Salvation points to Christ and his kingdom. Put that at the forefront. Matthew 6.33, all things will come parading right after that devotion. All things. All things added unto you as you stop neglecting what story God wants to tell. Loss of passion. These people, they don't understand. Listen to the passion of David. Psalm 119 verse 9. This is, this is David not wanting, you know, some young people are like, I don't care, whatever, who cares, I'm bored. Listen, David, how can I cleanse my ways by, by not neglecting, but to pay attention to your word? So one of the ver- first verses we read when we first became Christian was Psalm number one. We're going to keep on reading this psalm, but Psalm number one says, if you meditate on the word of God day and night, everything you do will prosper. So David is saying, how could I slam dunk this in my life? I got to get more into the word. Verse 10, I got to read the word. And then he says like this, with my whole heart, I'm looking for God. I'm seeking God. I want to hear God. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Let me not let my relationship, listen to me, the word neglect, stale bread. Stale bread, stale food. Things you know when you're having food, the bread that's been left over for a couple days, that's not the bread you want. You want fresh bread right out of the oven. Right out of the oven. Let me not wander from your words, Lord. Verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. I have treasured it in my heart so that I not sin against you. The word sin, error, so that I not fall astray, so that I not wander. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Teach me those things that are set on stone that don't change. I want to tell you something. Pornography is not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. That stuff is set on stone. God doesn't compromise. Find out those things that don't change. Principles of honor and dignity don't change. He says, I will praise you. Verse 12, teach me your statutes. He says, with, verse 13, with my lips I've declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I know where God has thrown lines. Hey, brother, don't do that because I saw a brick fall on somebody's head. Oh, I, I want to go check it out. And bam! Where has God brought his judgment? Do you know when God is upset? God is love. He never gets upset. You don't know God. God is passionately. God is zealous. I've told people, listen to me, prepare for judgment. It's coming. You're walking in the, in, in the area that gets God angry. He's not indifferent to people causing other people to stumble. God doesn't sit there and say, well, okay, let, let him take a couple of people. Uh, five years ago, a man comes to church, and he gets lost one night with one of the brothers from the church. He goes, get, gets drunk, and he shows up at my office. He says, Pastor, I'm sorry I took this brother to go get drunk. I said, Brother, listen to me. You don't have a problem with me. You're 50 years old, and the brother who went with you is 40 years old. See, if you would have taken my sons to get drunk, then we would have a problem. 
But there, that gentleman is not my son, that's God's son. If you would have taken my sons, I would get upset. But you didn't take my sons. You took God's son. So he's upset. He's not going to sit there and watch you cause someone to stumble and be indifferent. He's not going to do that. So we know the judgments of God's mouth. Verse 14, he says, I rejoice. It's a good thing to follow your teachings. I rejoice like if I just hit the lotto. I rejoice with the ways of your testimony. The words of your mouth to me are rejoicing. Some people hear God and get sad. They hear God speaking to them. And like, Listen to me. When God speaks in my direction, it feels like fresh wind. I feel refreshed in his presence. He's keeping me back from, from horrible things. As much as winning all the riches. This is how David was passionate. He wasn't neglecting. Verse 15, I meditate on your precepts. I, I spend long times considering your ways. This morning I woke up. I said, Lord, how do, listen to my thoughts this morning. Ready? How do you revive a dead man? How do you bring somebody back from the death? Listen to me. These aren't my thoughts. I'm consumed with the thoughts of God. He wants to bring people back from the dead. And so what did God say? He says, make sure that you put your mouth over his mouth, your eyes over his eyes, your hands over his hands, and he'll come back to life. I said, amen. So that was my tweet today. How do you bring back a dead man? Make sure your eyes are seeing what a man of God sees. Make sure the heart and the mouth is, is connected with the man of God. Make sure the hands are doing what the man of God does. And you'll come back to life. Because some of you are dead. Dead. And, and we're going to come across a lot of dead people. And you better have something to tell them. Because they look like zombies going to death. They just have no purpose. They have no, they're not telling any story. And God has them a great and glorious salvation. So he says, I'll meditate. I'll consider. I'm going to press into, the, the King James says like this. He says, I'll meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I, verse 16, delight in your declarations. I'm not going to neglect your word. I'm not going to forget. The words of God are not some ancient, literary, historical, theological, philosophical words. They're the very breath of our life. We, we sing it all the time. This is the air we breathe. Your word. And it brings a life that is awesome. And so 1 Corinthians 9.26, if we're going to have that passion, if we're going to move then we need to discipline our bodies. And, and, and Paul says like this, 1 Corinthians 9.26, Therefore I do not run without with aimless running, without certainty. I don't fight as somebody who's swinging at the air. I discipline my body. Verse 27, I make it come under subjection so that after I have talked to so many people about this glorious salvation, I not be a wanderer. I not be a neglect man. Well, I haven't done nothing wrong, Pastor. Why are you so unsettled? Listen, it's not about what you haven't done wrong. It's that there's a whole glorious salvation to be flourished 
in purpose, in time, in season. We should press into it. So discipline is a great part of that. And so he says, I beat my body. I bring it to subjection. What we did those first three weeks of, uh, of January, I'm, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go press in. God's got something to tell me. I want to hear God. Raising up in the house of God, the greatest privilege. Ephesians 5.5, 5, get sin out of our life. Don't be, don't be casual to sin. Because you can bet that there's nobody. Ephesians 5.5, 5, it says nobody who is immoral, sexually twisted, impure, wanting to have covetous. Listen to me. You imagine if the Lord is telling a story, and he's telling a story of prosperity, of fruitfulness, of blessing, and, and in that story is, is the fulfillment, and you're looking here. here. Here's your prosperity, your blessing, the story God wants to tell, and you... You're looking, that's what covetous means. You're distracted by the pursuit of what's not yours. God wants you to be focused, attention. Uh, uh, if I would have ignored this salvation, if I would have neglected, what story was that? That would be an ugly story. Yvette wouldn't be a part of it. My kids wouldn't be a part of it. Spring of life wouldn't be a part of it. If we neglect our story, we're distracted. He says, none of these people who put significant devotion into other things will by any ways come to inherit God's kingdom. They, these, these distractions in our life. We need to be focused, attentive. Um, I'll tell you something. There's a bright light. You guys know. Have you ever seen the stadium lights when they go on? Bah! And the whole, we saw the Super Bowl go the other way, right? But, but. The lights are on. Listen to me. That's great light. How many say it's great light, right? It looks like a daytime if you're in a stadium. I don't want that light. I want laser light. I want light that cuts through steel. I, I want a life in God that, that is not ordinary. You guys heard the testimony. Another, a, a greater light. A, a solid beaming light. Zzz, right through steel. Nothing stops us. And that's what God wants. He wants that, that passion, um, restoring our commitment. Um, I, I, I wish that you could fast forward this aspect of his telling his story. As if we're drifting away, what is pressing upon it? What is, what is being there every second, every moment, hitting all things that God has prepared? And so Hebrews 10, 25 is one of those aspects. Do not neglect. The word give up means neglect. Hebrews 10.25, he says, those of you that are indifferent, listen to me, every time God meets with his people, you be there. I tell people, be in the front row. Get everything God has for you. Bring a notebook. Bring your Bible. God is preparing you for a glorious plan. Well, hurry up, Pastor. We got the Lord's Supper tonight. Listen. Be on the cutting edge of the call of God for your life. Let's not give up gathering together like some have a habit of doing. Don't neglect the gathering as a manner of some. But, hey, psst, where were you? Exhort one another. And even much more as you see these things are coming to pass. The script, 
people are dying, listen to me, are dying to read the script of the world for their lives. It's horrendous. It's full of death and suffering. Read the story of those people that pursued other things other than what God had planned. Find out where, where is this mentor? Who do they want to be like? Where did they end up? Where are their families? Cannot neglect. They don't come. The giving to God of our lives, of our resources, that shows, listen to me, worth, value. If you don't value the things of God, if you don't value the purposes of God, I, I praise God for this conference. This to me is the greatest meeting that will happen on this day in all of Miami. It's the greatest thing that will happen. That men will come and they will love their wives and love their families enough to, to grab the goods of God and take them home. And I spend every day of my life with 10, 15 men calling me saying, Pastor, this, th these are the cards that life has given me. How do I, how do I, what do I do? I said, brother, do it God's way. Do it God's way. You're going to win every time. Amen. Have the mind of Christ. Let those thoughts saturate your existence. But if you're not giving to God, there's no worth in that. Hebrews 3, 7, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't grow stale. Don't grow indifferent. Um, you know, passionate, prompt, listen to me, passionate, prompt obedience. Listen to God, do what he says. Listen to God, do what he says. Otherwise, your children are going to listen to God we'll see. I don't think I'm going to go that way. And listen to God. Well, I have another opinion. And you'll see, there is no, there is no result. And, and, and we want to lift up a people like that. Because it's glorious to see when people listen to God and obey. Matthew 9.35. This is the passion and, and I, I, I was talking to somebody today. I talk a lot. You guys know that. Somebody says, well, I don't know. She just wants to get the divorce. God hates divorce. Don't talk to me about divorce. We should have the same. We should hate what God hates and love what God loves. How are you going to talk to me about divorce? And me say, well... You know, she just wants to get divorced. I guess she'll have to get divorced. Don't talk to me about divorce. And that has to be as prompt. And we, the people of God, have to care about what God cares about. Not for tomorrow or next week or next month. Right on the spot, right there. Bam! I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to drift away. Today, they need to hear God. Today, they need to experience the heart of God. And so Jesus, Matthew 9, 35, he went through all the towns. He went through every village. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. He was healing every sick person, every disease among them. Now, how could we have a leader like that and be so stale? 
How? How can we not have compassion? Verse 36. When he saw the multitudes without God, he was moved with deep hurt because they fainted. They were far from salvation. They were scattered abroad. They were like sheep with no one to lead them. Listen to me. We don't have to go too far. I'm going to tell you, your families are waiting for you to lead. Your families are waiting for you to set some fire in that oven and be passionate about God. And this is spending time in his presence, making him the priority, making salvation a reality moment by moment. Ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to participate in the most glorious table upon the earth. We're invited to partake of his table. And so this is not with indifference that we partake. For there represents the greatest gift we have, the body and the blood of our Lord. In representation, for us to meditate, for us to consider. It was there that, that, that when you grow stale in your walk with the Lord, when, when coming to church doesn't make sense, when serving the Lord makes less sense, the Bible says, just press on to what Christ did for you. What he did for you. What he did for you. We can't stand indifferent to this. Paul says in front of what Christ has done for us, the only reasonable thing to do is to offer ourselves entirely to the work of God. Entirely. I'm going to tell you something. Corporate executives work 110 hours per week. I want, you to, I want you to answer this question. What is their motivation? For some it's money. For some it's pride. For some it's, a, it's a, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But if they're giving 110 hours of their existence towards things that aren't valuable in light of eternity, and a common man, we're not talking about an executive now, a common man works 40 hours a week. He dedicates eight hours for five days, and he's, he's dedicated, and if you tell him, why would he invest that amount of time? He says, brother, because I like to eat and have clothes and live in a house. I work for a living. And then you ask a common Christian, how much do you serve God? Well, I go to church two hours on Sunday, and it's only because pastor likes to preach a lot. Otherwise, I'd be home in 45 minutes. And I go Wednesday because my wife forces me to. And so that's another couple hours. And I'm wondering, I'm saying, listen to me. I think that neglect is, is a common reality. I, I think that being indifferent and drifting away is, is a reality. So I believe if we spend time in his presence... And we hear his word and we're obedient and we move in the direction. Listen to me. You can't get to the next phase of his development for your life if you're dropping the ball now. 
He's not going to put you in, in that scenario. When I told my wife I was going to leave my law practice to go serve the Lord, she says, <laughs> give me a break. You serve him all the time already. You're not going to leave nothing. This is what you do all the time. This is what you do when you wake up in the morning, that first client comes in there, you're passionate about this gift of God's salvation. And nobody can talk to me for five minutes without me telling them what Christ has done in my life. What he's done, what he continues to do, what he's promised to do forever. So I, I believe we have a glorious captain of this army. I, I believe we have a, the Bible calls him a, the chief shepherd. He's the head honcho. I'm, I'm only a, a slight expression. I, you know, we can hear the heartbeat of Christ tonight. But we need to bring this heartbeat to our families and to our friends and to all who are far off. And the more we perfect, and then I give thanks to God for what's happening because I can see in every expression of what's taking place, I see every nucleus, every cell of this body of Christ vibrant. And I just want us to press more into what God wants to do. More in to the preparation He has for us to change the world. Father, we pray that you would bless this table. As before it, it sets the bread and the wine that we will partake of. And I pray, Father God, that we would participate in a manner that's worthy of the body and the blood, the body of Christ, the provided blood that washes us and makes us white as snow and forgives us. And as we prepare to participate with the table, God, that we would come before you and address this word about no legacy. This word about no gathering. This word that, that says it's, it's not walking in the story you want to tell, Lord. Make that a reality for us tonight, oh God. Through your spirit and grace. That your presence might lead us to the precise repentance we need. To lay hold of the things that you have prepared. That wedding, that marriage people were laying off because of business priorities because other affairs oh God and allow us to be like David oh God allow us to be passionately provoked to your purposes with our entire being in Jesus name I pray amen let's go ahead and start passing out the elements as we sing this song the Bible says that when you have the bread and the cup that you Go before God and get your life right with your walk with Him and sin and your walk with your brother and sisters and the body of believers in Christ. And you say, I'm not going to allow anything to separate us from the relationship we have. Nothing shall separate us from that relationship and purpose.
betrayed he took bread and having given thanks he broke it and said take and eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner he took the cup when he had supped saying this is the new commandment the new testament in my blood this do as often as you drink it bringing to bringing me into remembrance for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do forth proclaim the death of our Lord until he comes. Wherefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup in an unworthy manner shall be responsible 
of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let every man examine himself, and thus let every man eat and drink that cup. For he that eats and drinks in a manner which is unworthy is eating and drinking condemnation and judgment because he has not been able to discern the Lord's body. And this is the reason many are weak and sick among you and many have even died. For if you would concern yourselves to God's judgments, you should not be judged. And when we are judged and chastened by the Lord, it's so that we're not condemned with the world. Therefore, wait for one another before you participate. And if anyone is coming because they're in a hurry, let him stay at home and eat. Otherwise, you come together for condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Father, we thank you for that body that was crushed and broken for our union with the body of Christ. You took upon yourselves all the penalties of being totally broken that we might be united. And an abomination to you is a discord amongst the brethren. That's something you hate, O oh God. So we repent, O oh God, and we ask your forgiveness. And we pray, Father God, that we would walk in harmony and in agreement with those things that you love and those things you desire. Bless this bread as we partake. In Jesus' name, amen. You may participate of the bread. Also participating with the cup of our Lord. Privilege and honor to do so. Father, we thank you for that blood that was shed on Calvary's tree. We do not consider the blood something common and to be trampled under our feet by force fellowshipping and by having unequal yokes with a table of demons, as your word says. For we cannot participate of both tables. We pray that through your blood, redemption would be 100% fulfilled in our lives and that we would love the things you love and hate the things that you hate and give us your heart so we can discern the difference and we pray oh God that this cup representing your blood through faith we ask forgiveness oh God of all things that have offended you and all things that we have trampled and transgressed we pray that you would restore our lives wholly and completely that we might represent your people here on the earth and that we might partake of this cup in a manner that's worthy. So we repent, Lord, of all our wicked ways, our disobedience and rebellion. Draw our hearts back to the house of God to be your servants upon the earth. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may participate of the cup. Let's stand now and give thanks to the Lord. Thanks for his word tonight. Thanks for his presence. Thanks for having made us partakers of these holy and precious things. Let's sing a song to the Lord.
Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. One, two. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God.